Appendices two and three of On War, volumes two and three, by Karl von Clausewitz, translated by J. J. Graham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Appendices two and three, on the organic division of armed forces, and sketch of a plan for tactics. Reader's note: the heading is followed by an asterisk which marks a footnote which reads to serve as an elucidation of chapter five of book five readers note ends that the grounds which determine the division and strength of the different parts of the army and which have their root in elementary tactics are not very distinct and allow of much that is arbitrary we must suppose if we look upon the various modes of formation which actually exist but no great reflection is required to convince us that these grounds cannot determine the matter more exactly what is usually adduced in relation to the subject as for instance if a cavalry officer tries to prove that a cavalry regiment can never be too strong because otherwise it is not in a condition to do anything deserves no serious notice this is the state of things as regards the small divisions with which elementary tactics is concerned that is companies squadrons battalions and regiments but it is much worse with still larger divisions which are beyond elementary tactics and where the question depends on higher tactics or the theory of dispositions for a battle in conjunction with strategy we shall now take up the subject of these greater divisions brigades divisions corps and armies let us first consider for a moment the reasonable grounds the philosophy of the thing why are the masses as a universal rule divided into parts plainly because one person can only exercise direct command over a limited number the general cannot take fifty thousand soldiers and place each man upon a particular spot and keep him there and order him to do this and not to do that which if such a thing was conceivable would plainly be the best thing that could be done for none of the countless subordinate commanders ever intensifies at least it would be an anomaly if he did but each more or less diminishes the force of the original order and takes from the first idea something of its original precision besides this if there are a number of subordinate divisions the order takes considerably more time to reach its destination from this it follows that the divisions and subdivisions by reason of which orders must pass through many hands in succession constitute a necessary evil here ends our philosophy and we enter upon tactics and strategy a mass entirely isolated which is opposed to the enemy as an independent whole whether great or small has three parts which are essential and without which such a body can hardly be imagined that is to say one part which it throws out in advance one which in case of unforeseen events it places in the rear and the main body between these two parts readers note that follows a diagram which is simply the letters a b and c in a vertical column a at the top b in the middle c at the bottom readers note ends therefore if the division of the greater whole is made with a view to independence it must never have less than three parts if the permanent division is to be in accordance with that constant requirement of independence which must naturally be an object but it is easy to observe that even these three parts do not constitute quite a natural arrangement for no one would willingly make his advanced and rear guards each of the same strength with the centre or main body 
therefore it would be more natural to conceive the centre as consisting of at least two parts consequently to make a division of the whole into four parts in this order readers note the follows a diagram in which four points are highlighted with letters the four points form a diamond the diamond's broader axis runs across the page its narrower axis up the page the points labelled clockwise are a c d and b readers note ends but even here it is plain we have not yet got to the most natural point for notwithstanding the depth which it is usual now to give an order of battle all distributions of forces either tactical or strategic invariably assume the linear form consequently there arises of itself the want of a right wing of a left wing and of a centre and five may therefore now be looked upon as the natural number of divisions in this form readers note there follows a diagram in which five points are highlighted the five points form a diamond and again the longer axis of the diamond is across the page the narrower axis up the page the points of the diamond are labelled clockwise a d e and b a point at the centre of the diamond where the two axes cross is labelled c readers note ends this formation now allows of one or in the case of urgent necessity of two parts of the principal mass being detached right or left whoever like myself is a friend of strong reserves will perhaps find the party in rear reserve too weak in relation to the whole and therefore will add on that account another part in order to have one-third in reserve then the whole order will be organized as under readers note the follows a diagram in which six points are delineated the six points are in three rows across the page the topmost row contains only the letter a the second row contains the letters b c and d and in the second row the letter c is directly underneath the a in the previous row the third row contains the letters e and f e and f are placed so that each is placed halfway between two of the letters in the previous row e between b and c and f between c and d readers note ends if the force we have to organize is very large a considerable army then strategy has to remark that such an army almost always finds it necessary to detach parts to the right and left that therefore on this account with such a force two more parts must generally be added we then get the following strategic figure readers note the fullest diagram in which eight points are highlighted with letters the points are divided into three rows the topmost row contains only the letter a the second row contains the letters b c d e and f b and f at the extreme right and extreme left edge are at some distance from c d and e which form a tighter group in the centre of the row with d directly beneath a in the row before it the third row contains the letters g and h g and h are placed so that they are halfway between two of the letters on the previous row g is between c and d h is between d and e the diagram appears therefore to be a pentagon with the points a e h g and c forming the points of the pentagon 
with D at the Pentagon's central point, to the right and left of the Pentagon, in the central row and at some distance, RB on the Pentagon's left, and F on the Pentagon's right. Reader's note ends. From this we deduce as a result that a whole mass of troops should never be divided into less than three or more than eight parts, but still in this there appears very little that is definite for what a number of different combinations may be made if we reflect that we might divide an army into three times three times three, if we should base corps, divisions and brigades upon that number, which would give twenty-seven brigades, or in any other possible product of the given factors. But there are still some important points remaining for consideration. We have not yet entered upon the strength of battalions and regiments, leaving that for elementary tactics. From what has just been said, it only follows that we should make the brigades consist of not less than three battalions. Upon this we certainly insist, and shall probably not encounter any opposition. But it is more difficult to limit the greatest strength which the brigade should have. As a rule, a brigade is considered to be such a body as can and must be guided by one man directly, that is to say, through the instrumentality of his voice. If we adhere to that, then it should not exceed a strength of four or five thousand men, and consequently will consist of six or eight battalions, according to the strength of the battalion. But here we must bring in another subject which forms a new element in the inquiry. This element is the combination of the different arms. That this combination should begin in a body of troops lower down the steps than a whole army is a point on which there is but one opinion throughout Europe. But some would only commence with it in corps, that is, in masses of twenty to thirty thousand men. Others would have it in divisions, that is, masses from eight thousand to twelve thousand men. We shall not enter into this controversy at present, but confine ourselves to this which will hardly be disputed, that the independence of any body of troops is chiefly constituted by the combination of all three arms, and that therefore in all events, for divisions which are destined to find themselves frequently isolated in war, this combination is very desirable. Further, we have not only to take into consideration the combination of all three arms, but also that of two of them, namely artillery and infantry. This combination, according to the generally prevailing custom, takes place very much sooner, although artillerymen, excited by the example of cavalrymen, show no slight inclination to form again a little army of their own. They have, however, as yet obliged to content themselves to be divided amongst the brigades. Through this combination, therefore, of artillery with infantry, the idea of a brigade takes a somewhat different form, and the only question to be considered is what should be the minimum size of a body of infantry to which, as a rule, a portion of artillery must always be attached in a permanent manner. This question is more readily answered than one would at first sight suppose, for the number of guns which, for every thousand men, we can take into the field seldom depends on our will. It is settled by a variety of other, partly very remote causes, then again, the number of guns which are united in a battery rests upon much more substantial tactical grounds than any similar organisation. Thus it is that we do not ask how many guns shall this mass of infantry, for instance a brigade, have, but what mass of infantry is to be joined by a battery of artillery. 
if we have for example three guns per thousand men with the army and then deduct one for the reserve there remains two to distribute amongst the rest of the troops which allows a mass of four thousand infantry for a battery of eight guns as this is the ordinary proportion it is evident that with our calculation we come nearly to what has been found to answer best in practice after this we shall add no more in regard to the size of a brigade than that it should consist accordingly of from three to five thousand men although the field of division is limited on one side in this way and on the other it was already limited by the strength of the army as a given quantity a great number of combinations still always remain possible and we cannot let them be disposed of at once by a rigorous application of the principle of the least possible number of parts we have still to take into consideration some points of a general nature and we must also allow special considerations in particular cases to have their rights first we must observe that great bodies must be split into more parts than smaller ones in order to be made sufficiently handy as already noticed and that small bodies with too many subdivisions or branches are not easy to handle if an army is formed into two principal corps each of which has its own special commander readers note there is an asterisk here which refers to a footnote the footnote reads the command is the true base of division if a field marshal commands a hundred thousand men of which fifty thousand are under the orders of a general specifically designated whilst the field marshal in person conducts the other fifty thousand formed in five divisions a case which often happens the whole is not in reality divided into parts but into six only that one of them is five times as large as the others footnote ends readers note ends that is as much as to neutralize the commander-in-chief every one who has military experience will understand this without any further elucidation it is not much better if the army is divided into three parts for in such a case there can be no expeditious movements no suitable dispositions for battle without an incessant breaking up of these three principal corps by which their commanders are very soon put out of temper the greater the number of parts the greater becomes the power of the commander-in-chief and the mobility of the whole mass there is therefore a reason for going as far as possible in this direction as there are more means of putting orders in a train of execution at a headquarters like that of commander of an army than with the limited staff of a corps or division therefore on general grounds it is best to divide an army into not less than eight parts if other circumstances require it this number of parts may be increased to nine or ten if there are more than ten parts a difficulty arises in transmitting orders with the necessary rapidity and exactitude for we must not forget that it is not the mere question of the order else an army might have as many divisions as there are heads in a company but that with orders many directions and inquiries are connected which it is easier to arrange for six or eight divisions than for twelve or fifteen again a division if it is small as regards absolute strength in numbers one which therefore may be supposed to form part of a corps can always make shift with fewer parts than we have given as the normal number quite easily with four in case of urgency with three six and eight would be inconvenient because its means are not sufficient to transmit orders rapidly enough to so many parts this revision of our proper normal number gives as a result that an army should have at least five parts and not more than ten that the division should not have above five and may be reduced to four between the two now lies the core and both the question of its strength and the general question whether it should exist at all depend on the adjustment of the two other combinations two hundred thousand men in ten divisions 
and the division split into five brigades gives the brigade a strength of four thousand men in such a force we could therefore do very well with divisions only we could certainly divide this force into five corps and the corps into four divisions and the division into four brigades then each brigade would be two thousand five hundred men strong to me the first arrangement appears the best for in the first place it has one less step in the gradation of ranks therefore orders are transmitted quicker etc secondly five branches are too few for an army it is not sufficiently pliable with that number the same applies to a corps divided into four divisions and two thousand five hundred men form a weak brigade of which there are in this scheme eighty instead of which the other organization makes only fifty and is therefore simpler these advantages are sacrificed for the sake of only having to give orders direct to five generals instead of ten so far general considerations extend but the points which require to be determined in particular cases are of infinite importance ten divisions may be easily commanded in a level country in widely extended mountain positions the thing may be perfectly impossible a great river which divides an army creates a necessity for the appointment of a separate commander on one side general rules are powerless against the force of circumstances in all such particular cases however it is to be remarked that when such special circumstances make their appearance those disadvantages which a multiplicity of divisions otherwise produces generally disappear at the same time certainly even here abuses may arise as for instance if a bad organization is made to gratify the unseasonable ambition of individuals or out of want of firmness to resist personal considerations but however far the requirements of particular cases may extend still experience teaches us that the system of divisioning as a rule is dependent on general principles end of on the organic division of armed forces sketch of a plan for tactics or the theory of combat open bracket nota bene according to this distribution this first part is to be revised and completed close bracket readers note the following section is a table of headings in this reading a pause will indicate the presence of an m dash readers note ends roman numeral one introduction definition of the distinction between the concepts of strategy and tactics roman numeral two general theory of the combat open bracket combat cantonments camps marches close bracket one nature of the combat active elements in the same hatred and hostility modification other moral forces judgment and talent two more precise definition of a combat independent combat partial combat how the latter arise three object of the combat victory degree splendor and weight of victory four causes of victory that is of the enemy leaving the field five kinds of combat according to arms close combat fire combat six different acts of the combat destructive act decisive act seven kinds of combat according as its motive is positive or negative attack and defense eight plan of the combat strategic object of the combat 
its aims means determination of the kind of combat time space reciprocal action conduct roman numeral three combats definite subdivisions in the abstract open bracket formation order of battle elementary tactics close bracket a the different arms one infantry two artillery three cavalry readers note the headings infantry artillery and cavalry are all pointed out with a bracer and the bracer has the following words written to its right effects produced in action of each arm the formation and elementary tactics of each in attack and defence based on those effects readers note ends b the different arms combined in attack and defence one theory of the combination of arms a infantry and artillery b infantry and cavalry c cavalry and artillery d all three united two fixed divisions which are formed out of them a brigades b divisions c corps d armies readers note these four headings brigades divisions corps and armies are highlighted with a right brace and to the right of the brace of the following words their order of battle position movement combat readers note ends roman numeral four battles in connection with country and ground a on the influence of ground on the combat in general one on the defensive two on the attack note to bene our reflections here must leave the proper logical chain on account of practical considerations the ground must be taken into view as soon as possible and this cannot be done without our at once imagining to ourselves the combat is taking place under one of the two forms attack or defence this is why the two subjects merge into one b general theory of the defence c ditto ditto attack d defensive combats of definite bodies one of a small number of troops two of a brigade three of a division four of a corps five of an army e offensive combats of definite bodies one of a small number of troops two of a brigade three of a division four of a corps five of an army roman numeral five combats with definite objects a defence one measures of security a guards b patrols c supports d small posts e chains of advanced posts f intermediate posts g advanced guards h rear guards i advanced corps k covering the flanks on the march l detachments to procure intelligence m detachments of observation n reconnaissances readers note in the original text there is no item j in the list readers note ends two covering a of single posts b of convoys c of foraging parties three lines of posts diversity of objects a in mountains b along rivers c near morasses d in woods four battles diversity of objects 
destruction of the enemy's armed force possession of country mere moral ascendancy credit of arms a defensive battle without preparations b in a prepared position c in an entrenched position five retreats a the simple retreat the retiring in presence of the enemy a a before a battle a b in the course of the same a c after a battle b strategic retreat that is several consecutive simple retreats in their tactical dispositions b the attack one divided and treated according to the objects of the defence two according to the particular objects of the attack a surprise b cutting through the enemy roman numeral six of camps and cantonments roman numeral seven of marches end of sketch of a plan for tactics or the theory of the combat recording by timothy ferguson gold coast australia